Charles Spurgeon, a famous English preacher from the 19th century, said this about prayer. Prayer has become as essential to me as the heaving of my lungs and the beating of my pulse. Prayer has become as essential to me as the heaving of my lungs and the beating of my pulse. For Charles Spurgeon, prayer was absolutely everything. The same as, as breathing. And my heart for us, as I've said before, we've looked at this prayer over a couple of weeks, and I also looked much broad, more broadly at prayer. My, my heart for us as a church is this, that we also will be able to join with Spurgeon and say prayer is so fundamental to who we are as a body, as a family, but also on an individual level. And I hope that as, as we've gone through this like three-week mini-series in prayer with the, with the break last week, I hope that you've started to see, you know, prayer is so important. It's so important to who I am personally. It's so important to who we are as a church. So even as Jakob spoke about Alfie, he said, one thing we can do is pray. I spoke to someone else during the Fika break. You know, I can't be there, but I can pray. And it's like, yes, please, because prayer is powerful. Why, do we, why are we passionate about prayer? What, what's, the, what's the number one reason why we're passionate about prayer? Jesus prayed. You look at his life. It, it, it's a life of prayer. Like, all the time... He, he would be busy, he'd be doing stuff, but all the time he'd find a place to pray. Whether that was with a group of people, like we see today in John 17, where he prays in front of people, or whether it was just with one person, or even perhaps with no people, and he just goes behind a door or off to a mountainside and finds time to pray on his own. He prays. And so we, we learn from Jesus' life. As we've as we gone through this series in John, looking at who Jesus is, his character, what, who he, what, what, what did he say, what was he like? We learn this from his life. He was a man devoted to prayer, absolutely devoted to prayer. And so when we look at Jesus, what can we learn? We should be a people devoted to prayer. Amen. And Spur, Spurgeon was absolutely passionate about prayer, and it's my, my heart as well. So as I said, we've looked at prayer for a couple of weeks now, and we've looked at John 17 two times. And the first time, we looked at the first few verses And we noticed a few things. The first thing we noticed was that Jesus starts his prayer like this, Father. So Jesus prays not out of law, not because he's trying to, he's Jesus and he's religious and he needs to tick a box and if you're religious you pray. He prays because of relationship with the Father. That's why he prays. He wants to talk to his dad. And And so he speaks to him about the things that are on his heart. And so he approaches God, not as some far-off, distant being, but as Father. And actually, the, throughout the whole scripture, we sit at the beginning in John 17, actually we sit in the middle as well. Again, he says, Father, or, or, or towards the end, Father. So prayer stems from relationship. Stems from relationship. It's not, a, it's not a legalistic, you need to pray. It's a, wow, I have a Father, I want to talk to him. That's what prayer is. And, and we noticed that as Jesus prayed, what did he pray for? Well, in those first few verses, he prayed for this. Glorify me so that you will be glorified. What's he talking about there? He was talking about the cross. He was praying just before this moment, of the hardest moment to ever have, have met a human. He's going to the cross. It's this moment when uh, we, we looked at Genesis and we said, God said, one day I will send someone 
and he will crush your head. And as I did that, people woke up, if I remember correctly, a couple of weeks ago. He will crush your head. And this moment is literally around the, the, the corner. It, it's just a few hours away. And as, as Jesus is looking forward to that moment, as he says, glorify me as I go to the cross, but I want to be glorified. Why? Because I want to give you glory. Again, it's another aspect of Jesus' life, his character. He's a man of prayer, number one. He was a man who was all about God's glory. He was all about God's glory. And so even in the most difficult time imaginable, going to the cross, horrific, he says, do you know what? Your will be done. It's for your glory. And we saw that. And, and, and then we saw finally what John has been talking about throughout the book so far, eternal life. He's, again and again, Jesus says eternal life, eternal life, eternal life. But he doesn't explain it. Here we have the explanation. And it's what the cross won for us. Eternal life is this relationship with me, knowing God, knowing Jesus, knowing the Father. And Jesus says, this is eternal life. This is eternal life. And it starts not, not when you're in your, um, after, after death, but it starts as soon as you make a, make a decision to follow Jesus, as soon as you accept him as your Lord and Savior. That's when eternal life starts. And it's this relationship with God. That is eternal life. And we can kind of, we can get, confused and think about, okay, well, what does eternal life look like? And turn to confusing Bible passages and, 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 and okay, there's no more tears, there's no more suffering, but are we, what are we going to look like? What sort of body are we going to have? Are we going to be able to do that? Will we be able to fly? Like all these sorts of very important theological questions. And, and, we, and we saw actually the reality, the bottom line is this, eternal life is knowing God. Everything else is just by the by. We are going to know God. We're going to see him face to face. It's going to be amazing. That is eternal life. This God that created the heavens and the earth, this God who we stand before this morning and sort of say, you are, you alone are worthy. We love you, we love you, we love you. We sing and, and thousands, no, millions of people around the world, billions of people join together on a Sunday and say, you're, you alone are worthy in Portuguese, in, in whatever language, in Swedish, in English. They say, you alone, this God, we will know. That's eternal life. And not only will we know him, but we know him now. And so as we turn our attention to today and looking at the rest, so we're going to look at the rest of John 17, it's one of the key themes that I want us to see throughout this, um, throughout this chapter, is that we're people who are known by God. This is eternal life. This is, this is, this is really what it's all about. Because as Jesus is leaving, because this is the context we find here, we find that Jesus is praying, not, not at the beginning of his ministry, not at this time, he's praying right at the end of his ministry, right, as, right at the end, when he is leaving, when the relationship could be broken, he's going, what does he pray? That they will know me, that I will come again, that I will be in them. And so as he prays, as he leaves, he prays this, oh, that they will know me, oh, that you, they will know you, God. Oh, that they will understand eternal life. And he prays this. And, 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 he, and, and he focuses the first few verses on himself, on his Father's glory. But as we go through the prayer, we see him shift his focus. And he goes from focusing on himself, on the Father's glory, to focusing on those around him. His fo- he starts to pray for the disciples. And eventually, uh, verse 20, those who will believe. Who's that? That's us. So this prayer that we're reading from 
2,000 years ago, this prayer spoken out of Jesus' mouth and recorded for us in this book is for us. That's amazing, really, isn't it? Like, we talk about the power of prayer, talk about Charles Spurgeon. You know, I love it that my mum and dad pray for me and, you know, churches join and pray. Amazing. What's even more amazing is this. Jesus prays for us. He prayed for us. As we read this, you can read this, and this is Jesus praying for you. Us. Take it. Listen to it. This is Jesus praying for you. So he, 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 takes his, he, he takes his gaze onto the ones around him. I just think this is amazing. Again, it's Jesus' amazing character. Days, or hours, sorry, before his death. Is he focused on himself? I mean, we live in a culture where it's all about me, isn't it? You sort of think, okay, what's the last thing? If you've got 24 hours to live, what would that be? What would you do? Well, I'd spend all my money. I'd eat the nicest steak possible. I'd probably spend a bit of time, you know, watching football. You know, you do your favorite things. What does Jesus do in his last moments? He prays for those around him. So unselfish is Jesus. Even at the moment, literally the hours before he's going to die, what does he do? Is that a bit of time for, like, one-on-one time on his own? No. He prays for those around him. He prays for us. Just such an amazing character of who, this is Jesus, this is our saviour, this is the creator. He, he, he's so selfish, even in the moment of most, most pain. And he doesn't only pray for us then, but we read in a couple of scriptures, Romans 8, 34, for example, this is what we read. Christ Jesus, who died, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, intercedes for us. So not only was this a 2,000 one-off prayer for for us from Jesus, this is happening right now. Jesus prays for us. He's interceding for us. He has has died. He was risen. He is seated seated at the right hand of God. And what is he doing? He's interceding for us. He's praying for us. Isn't that absolutely amazing? It's absolutely amazing. This is who Jesus is. And so the first thing I want us to see, as I've touched on a little bit in this prayer, is that we're known by God. All the way through the prayer, we notice one thing. It's relational language. Because God is a relational God. He's not far off. He's relational so I want us to see this. This is, again, one of Jesus' focus. It just, all the way through, I count 13 times where like, Jesus uses some sort of language to talk about relationship with us and him and him and us and us with the Father. This relationship just laced through the prayer. Amen. <laughs> the kids are um, passionate about prayer as well, which is good because we love kids here. Yeah, uh, What's that? They agree. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I didn't hear what I said. That's the problem. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, and so you see it again and again. Uh, verse 6, I gave them to me. You gave them to me. Verse 9, they are yours. Verse 13, my joy within them. Verse 21, may they also be in us. 23, I in them, you in me. 26, I have made you known to them. 26 again, I myself may be in them. It's relational language. Where does this all stem from? It's the big picture of Scripture. What's the big picture of Scripture? God wants a family. It's the big picture. Jeremiah, God speaks to the prophet. Jeremiah 32, 38 says this, They will be my people, and I will be their God. That is the big picture of Scripture. We are not far away from God, and he's over there, and we're sort of over here, and and there's this massive separation and chasm. There was, Jesus died, he was risen again, so that we can be brought in. So that we can say this, 
all of us, it's not just the Israelites, it's all of us, you are my God and we are your people. That, 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 is, that is the reality. It's, it, that is the reality of who we are. And I, I wonder, do you know that? Do you know that relationship? God wants to have a relationship with each one of us. That is it. It's amazing. Do you know that? I, I, last week we had Ula, speaker from Stockholm, come and his wife Yvonne translate for us, or correct, you could say. Uh, and it was absolutely fantastic. So, had such a good Sunday. And I said, you can preach on whatever you want, talk on whatever you want. You don't need to stick to John. And, you know, always a bit of a dangerous thing to say. I, I literally didn't know until the day before what he was going to speak on. And he spoke on walking with God. He spoke on God wanting to have a relationship with us. So God is speaking to us. He wants to have a relationship with us. As, as, John, as Jesus looks to the cross, he talks about us, that they will know you, God. It's just, it, 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 it's amazing. It's, Christianity is relationship. It's known by the Father. It's, and, and this is what I, I get so frustrated when people say Christianity is all about law. You know, I went to church as a kid, and I remember the Ten Commandments, and I remember that's what Christianity is about. You know, you should not kill people, you should not have adultery. Actually, Christianity is about relationship. And yet, of course, there's things that you can do that are going to damage that relationship, and there's things that you can do that are going to improve that relationship. Just like in any human relationship. But it's about relationship. That is, that is the bottom line, that is why Jesus came is so that he would know, we would know him, he would know us and so as a church, as a church plant we, we, we have some values some things that we say are really really important to us, like these are, these are things that we really want to hold on to and one of them is to be a people of God's presence we want to be a people of God's presence we want to be a people who know God and it's not because 2019, the, the thing to grow your church is to be a people of God's presence. Do that and people will come. It's because we see it in Scripture. It's because Jesus came. Why did he come? To bring us in. We had chosen to go away and he came to bring us in. That, that's why Jesus came. It's relationship. And so we, we say, oh God, we want to we, we be a people of your presence. Because we line up with scripture. We don't line up with modern church culture that says it's a cool thing to do. Get a smoke machine and say God's presence. No. We line up with scripture. What does scripture say? I want to know you. And so we're a people who are known by God. It's one of our values. That as, as Jesus left, did he leave us as orphans? No, the Holy Spirit came, fell upon us, tabernacled. Jesus, in John 1, we find he tabernacled, he pitched his tent, he came down to earth. But then as he leaves, he sends the Spirit so that we live with Jesus inside of us through the Holy Spirit. And so that now the Holy Spirit is not bound in one place, in one temple, where no one can get anywhere close to God's presence without dying. Now the presence is in us. Holy Spirit is with us. Jesus is with us. So we, we, we live lives with Jesus. We are all walking temples. Literally, that's how we're described in the Bible. We're walking temples. We walk around as temples because we now have the presence inside of us. And it's just, 
It's who we are. So I ask you again, do you know God? Do you know that he wants to have a relationship with you? Because he can seem far off. Perhaps you have a thought of him that he's like a scary school headmaster, a principal or a boss or, you know, and he's just looking for the bad things. He's a father who loves his children. Couldn't be more from the more different. It's amazing. This is who God is. He's a father. He loves us. He's relational. And so the first thing I want us to see, as Jesus prays this prayer, literally hours before his death, oh God, oh God, make them known. May I know them. May they know me. It's just, it's just beautiful. And the second thing, if we can click on, is as we are known by God, we are to make him known. So verse 18 says this, As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. As you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Why? Why are we sent into the world? Why does Jesus say, as you've sent me, send them? Why does he say that? Because he wants other people to get to know him. And that's, the, that's, that, that, that's our call. That's what we're living with. They, like, newsflash, this amazing relationship, this amazing acceptance that now we can say we are children of God. We can sing that song that Emma led us in so well with confidence. Now we are children with God. We have this relationship now. Newsflash, that's not just for us in this room. We, we have a responsibility to say, hey, you also can know God. In this difficult time, you can know God. In this good time that you're having, you can know God. He is the hope. He is the author. It is all about him, and he welcomes you in. You can know him. So Jesus says this, as you sent me, I send them. We can make him known. And you, really, you get a clue from this. Um, if you look at Matthew 4, 19, when Jesus first starts to call his disciples, the people who are following him, he says this. He says, I will make you fishers of men. So there's a clue there what Jesus is doing. He's, he's not saying, follow me and you can find your own sort of like, you can get enlightened, you can find your own spiritual path and, and you'll be on your own and, and, that, and you'll be really spiritually fulfilled. And you know, it'll be lovely. This is what he says right at the beginning. He says, come with me and I will make you fishers of men. I'm going to send you. This is what Jesus was all about. It's a clue right at the beginning of his ministry. I want followers to follow me, spend time with me, get to know God absolutely, but then go out and fish. Bring other people into this relationship. Tell other people about me. Sent into the world. As you have sent me, I send them. And tragically, as a church, we have been, like a global church, a historical church, we haven't been great at this. I was, uh, before... Living in Sweden, I was part of a church plant in Lancaster, uh, a, a town, a city, town just north of Manchester in England. And I remember a lady coming into church once, and she obviously had been sleeping outside for the night, so she looked perhaps a little bit different to everyone else. She perhaps didn't smell quite as nice as everyone else. And she said, can I come in? I said, of course you can, well, I mean, of course you can come in. What, what, why would you not come in? Oh, well, it's just because the church down the road said I wasn't allowed in. They didn't welcome me because I looked different. They literally shut the door. Then they, they weren't interested in me. And it's like, it's just so tragic. It's just so tragic. 
I feel like as a church, we've, we need to understand, that I think historically, we've been not so good at this. Like church has almost become a place where you come out of the world. And you do your church, you, know, you get saved, you become a follower, you become a believer, and you withdraw from society. You withdraw from your friends that are bad influence, or from going to the pub, or watching the football, or whatever it might be. You withdraw, and you go to a prayer meeting instead, and you meet with your Christian friends. Tragically, that's happened, and it becomes an unwelcoming place. This is what happened to this lady. I mean, Jesus says, we have been sent. You, you, you can imagine Jesus and the Father having a conversation before Jesus comes into the world, looking down on us. And so, you know, God the Father saying to Jesus, yeah, shall I send you? Shall I send you to those? And then they're having this conversation. Well, do you know, well, we've got it pretty good up here. I mean, we're, we've, be, we, we've been together for years. And we've got it pretty good. And if you look down there, yep, yeah, problem there. Yep, problem that. Do you know what? That person doesn't look that great. Nah. I mean, that bit of a problem over there. You can imagine having that conversation. I mean, we can do that. The church has done that where we said, do you know what? We've got it pretty good. But there's problems over there. Don't want to go there. Problem over there. Don't want to go there. What did God the Father say? To Jesus, what did Jesus say? I'm going. Yeah, it looked, yep, yep, problems. I'm going to go and help fix that. I'm going to fix the relationship. So he goes into the world. Doesn't keep it like, you know, I mean, it's imperfect. They didn't need us. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they didn't need us. But out of love, they go. Jesus came out of love. For God to love the world that he sent his only son. So, so, as a church, we need to be good at this. Because again, we want to look at Jesus. He is the one we're looking to. And Jesus was good at it. He left per- perfection to come into the opposite of perfection. Darkness, pain, suffering, depression. So that he could bring some of us into perfection. Into this relationship between the father and the son. And so as a church, as a church plant, okay, one DNA, God's presence. One part of our value, God's presence. We want to be a people who love God. Another value, another DNA, another something that as we grow, as we get older, as we get more mature, another value that we do not want to lose is that we love Gothenburg, is that we're sent. And actually, this isn't just a call for Gothenburg, but this is a call for the surrounding towns, the cities, the nation, the nations that we are sent. My prayer is that one day we will send people from this church plant into other nations, into other cities in Sweden. Oh, so many people in this nation, so many people in the nations need to see Jesus, need to see him for who he is, for what he has done for us in bringing us into relationship. And so that's who we are as a church. But very practically, it's not just like out there, like one day in the future we will be planting churches and we will send off people and stuff. Very practically, we, as individuals, are sent into life. Like now. And so I often say... Excuse me. I often say the most important part of a Sunday is the end. 
And that's not just like a cheesy line. That's, that's actually what I, I believe. Because I love times of worship. Absolutely love them. You'll hear my terrible voice all the time, probably singing out of, out of tune, singing something I shouldn't be singing. I love, because I love God. And I love times of fika. I don't like spending time with people. I think I enjoy opening the Bible and looking at that together. I love seeing the kids. I, I love Sundays. But the most important part is when we finish. Why? Because the reality is that we're not supposed to just be like this holy little huddle, but we're to be sent into the world. And so as we go today, this, hear this. This is the most important part. We go into the world. Jesus says, as you have sent me, I send them. This is who we are, a people who are sent. And so as, as you go to work, perhaps even this afternoon or tomorrow morning or whenever you go to work or if you're at home or whatever you're doing, go with the commission that you are sent into those places. It's not like we wait until Sunday and we sort of hold, we hold on and the week's tough, the week's tough and it's Sunday. So Actually, we're sent. As we are living temples, as we are carriers of Jesus. We don't just need to get into a big group like this for Jesus to come. Actually, we, we carry Jesus' presence with us wherever we go. Wherever that is. You can put your own context into it. We are sent by God. It's so important. It's so important that we get this. And very practically, this is what it looks like as a church. It means that we are to infiltrate society culture, not evacuate from it. And as I said, historically we've been good as a church, a worldwide church, at evacuating from. Okay, you're saved, brilliant, now stop doing that, stop doing this, stop hanging around with those people, you stop coming to this meeting, you've got small group Tuesday, you've got small group Wednesday, small group Thursday, you've got prayer meeting Friday, you've got another prayer meeting Saturday, church Sunday, Monday, ah, you can do something else with the church, we can find something for you. Like, it's like you, you pull people out. Actually, that's not what the gospel, that's not what Jesus is saying. That's not the gospel. The gospel Jesus is saying this, go into the world. Don't stop meeting as church. Absolutely spend time with each other. Absolutely. But use that as times to, to be refueled, refreshed, drink again, and then go. It's like, it's like Sundays, small groups, prayer meetings, whatever. There, there should be launch pads into life. So we infiltrate, we go into society. We don't evacuate from it. Everyday life, we have a missional call to see people get to know Jesus. That's what we're living with. It's not just a one day a week thing. This is who we are. Because this is what Jesus prayed for us. Send them. Live in the world. I mean, Jesus himself, if we look at him, he was always accused of being in the wrong places or with the wrong people or doing the wrong thing. He lived in the world. Tax collectors. Women who had five husbands and still was living with someone who wasn't a husband. He was with the wrong people. He was in the world. He's doing exactly what he's praying for us to do. Live in the world. Don't evacuate from it. The world needs us. Why does it need us? Because we're great? No, because Jesus is great. And through his spirit, he lives in us. And so we, we go into the world. Philip's too. Philip's? Philip? New, new Bible, Bible, uh, Bible book, Philip. You might not have heard of it. It's coming out soon. 
2019. Uh, Philippians 2.15 says this, You will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. You will shine like stars. This is who we are to be. This is a, this is a Christian. This is a description of a Christian. Shining like a star in a black sky. If you're just all stars together, you can't make up one star from another, and it just doesn't kind of really work. That's not what it's for. Stars are meant to shine. And so, that, so this is a description of who we are. It means we need to be in dark. As stars, we need to be in dark, dark places. It means we need to live in the world, not remove ourselves from the world. Jesus says this in verse 16 which might appear to be a little bit of a contradiction. He says this, they are not of the world. And then he goes on to say, send me into the world. So just wanted to touch on this, because you could look at this and think, okay, here, verse 16, he's saying, they're not of the world. Then verse 18, he's saying, send them into the world. Just want to touch on this, because it's really important that we get this, that as we live in the world, we are not shaped by the world, because we are not of the world. It's really important to understand that, because... As we live lives wholeheartedly going for Jesus in the workplace or wherever it is, culture will say, what? Sorry, what was your value about that? What was your belief about that? And culture will disagree with a lot of things that we say because what we say is that this is truth, that this is the word of truth, that in here we want to follow scripture. We want to live like this. And culture says, that's your view on marriage. That's your view on finance. That's your view on how you should live, how you should bring up your kids. Pfft. So we'll live in the world, but we don't become like the world. We hold fast to scripture. Because 2,000 years ago, this was controversial. Today, this is controversial. There's things in here that are different. Different to culture. But as a people, we're to be shaped by scripture not shaped by culture, Sweden, 2019. Because we're not of this world. Because we've been bought with a price. Because Jesus has rescued us. And we now believe, actually, we are seated in heavenly places. That we know God. And if you know God, you're not of this world. And so it means that as we live in the world, we will have different values. We will have different beliefs. Again, as Jesus lived in the world, there were times people he, were, he was meeting with, there's things that he said that people disagreed with, but he held fast to it. He said, I'm the son of God. They picked up stones. <laughs> they said, you what? He said, I'm the son of God. They picked up stones. They said, you what? He said, I am the son of God. He wasn't shaped by culture. He didn't go, you put down those stones and we can start talking about who I actually really am. Maybe I'm not quite the son of God. As they held stones, as they chased him out of places, he's many times we saw in John like he just escaped. They weren't able to lay a hand on him. As he escaped from places, he never said, okay, let's compromise. He said, this is, this is who it says I am. This is who I am. And so as we live in the world, do not become of the world. Look at scripture. Look at truth. Measure everything against this. This is the measuring stick. Okay, this is it. Live by it. Love it. As we read the Bible, I don't, don't read the Bible because you have to. 
Read the Bible because you're in a culture that says this is completely rubbish and read it because you need to. Because it's so important. We live in the world, but we are not of the world. We don't become like the world. We don't become like culture. So we're people who are known by God. And we're people who are called to make God known. This is Jesus' prayer, like just before he goes to the cross. That, that his disciples and eventually the people who will know me, us, will be a people who are in a relationship with God. Known by God. Know this. Do you know that? Do you know that? God wants to know you. Perhaps you think you don't match up to cultural you know, culturally, don't match it. Why would God want to know me? I mean, I've not got enough money. I've not got the looks. I've not got the friends. I've not got the family. Why would God want to know you? Culturally, I just, I, I don't, God wants to know you. He says, I want to know you. But then he also says, as, as you now know me, I send you. I send you into work, everyday life. I send you with a message of this. God wants to know you too. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that we're able to open scriptures and just, and just read, I mean, read a prayer that was spoken 2,000 years ago and, and, and see that it's for us today. It's just incredible. It's amazing how your truth, how your scripture just transcends time. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, as we, as we go now home and, or, or, or wherever we're going now, Lord, I just pray, Lord, give us opportunities. May we be a people who are sent. May we, may we not be a people who evacuate from society and, and sort of live our own cultural life and our own Christian uh, thing, but we, we, we very much live in society, that we go into society, that we, that, we, <laughs> that we just spend time with people who perhaps other people don't want to spend time with, because that's what you did, Jesus. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you crossed the barrier for us, that you came from a perfect relationship into a world full of sin, full of danger, ultimately going to the cross for us. Jesus, you're just so selfish, uh, selfless. <laughs> I love you so much. We thank you for who you are. We really do. You're a wonderful God. Just pray. I just pray for us all as a family. Lord, if there's anyone in here who feels perhaps a little bit away from you, Perhaps why would you want me, why would you need me or, or want to be in relationship with me? Lord, I do pray, Lord, just, just help them know that you love them. May you just show your love to them in a fresh way, in a new way. And for all of us in this room, Lord, I pray, again, just show us, show us your love. Just show us your, your reality that we are, is, we are adopted as sons, children of God. It's wonderful. Amen. Amen. Okay, so just to remind you before we finish today, Alpha is this Wednesday. It is absolutely brilliant. We had a fantastic first evening. Uh, do, there is still time to invite people. This is like when the course really starts. It's, the first one is, now we're talking about Jesus. The first one was, is there more to life than this? Now we're getting into Jesus. And so invite people, do pray. It's just, it's a privilege to be doing it. Um, so that's this Wednesday. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you.